all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. This is Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, live this morning with you on this chilly Mississippi morning. Uh, All this cold front, you know, we get a little lulled into this every year. I've been in Mississippi a long time, and we had those 60, maybe even 70-degree weather, uh, you know, swings in January, and then all of a sudden it hits us again, and... uh, Sort of, sort of cold, at least in the south here. I hope you're staying warm out there this morning, though, and um, plenty of time to take your questions this morning. That's right. This is the program where we uh, open up all of our phone lines uh, for any questions you might have. Don't really have a theme on Wednesdays traditionally. Sometimes we do, but uh, got so many good questions that you have about your health and about the health of others that are near and dear to you, you can always reach us live at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or maybe you can't uh, reach us uh, by phone this morning. You can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We do try to respond directly to those as quickly as we can. We also like to share those from time to time with our larger audience. And uh, when we can't be live, sometimes we'll play those uh, uh, Kevin Farrell, our producer, and myself will uh, go through those and sort of pick the ones out that we think would be applicable to the larger uh, listening area and uh, listening audience and uh, love to get those. So uh, send us an email, particularly if it's a longer one. Maybe you want to get into it or um, uh, we uh, try to uh, anonymously share those as well as much as we can. I want to encourage you, hey, call in early because uh, usually the way our program works is we uh, don't have a whole lot of calls up front, uh, but then when we get close to the top of the hour, uh, we have to squeeze a lot of people in and uh, a little bit more time to uh, to z- discuss different things uh, first up in the conversation. So give us a ring this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. A lot of stuff in the news. Uh, got a lot of people. Actually, my sister called me. Uh, last night, want to know about this coronavirus. Uh, it is not a beer. It is not a virus that you get from a beer. So, uh, but it is something out of China. Uh, you know, from time to time, we have outbreaks of viruses. And if uh, I took a course uh, in virology as part of my microbiology training, and uh, it's um, basically you have to know how these viruses work and different types of viruses work in different ways. But the coronavirus is a common family of viruses, and they cause uh, most of the time things like the common cold. So anywhere from about 5 to 10% of cases of the common cold can be attributed to coronavirus if you look for it. Uh, most of the time, you get a little bit of, if you're an adult, you get sort of a stopped-up nose. Uh, younger individuals can get uh, lower airway. That's down in the lungs, inflammation and infection. But almost always, uh, everybody recovers from this without any kind of problems. Of course, as is common with all viral infections that cause similar things like the common cold or the flu, if you are um, an individual who has a weakened immune system, and this is usually the very young, the very old, or if it if you have other medical problems like diabetes or heart failure or lung disease or asthma, these are things that can put you at risk for it. So. What we know right now is several hundred people have been infected in Wuhan. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'm doing my best, in central China. 
very large city in central China, and uh, they've traced it back to a food market. Not su- surprising, just because coronavirus can be transmitted back and forth from person to person, but it also can be transmitted to uh, from, you can get it from several different types of animals. So bats, camels, there's a lot of different things. And in different parts of the world, it's, it's transmitted in different ways. There have been several deaths attributed to this in central China. We now have one documented case of this particular subtype of coronavirus on the West Coast in Seattle. Uh, the Center for Disease Control, usually when we have an outbreak like this, they snap into action and basically are doing screenings uh, from anybody who's traveled to that area of central China and uh, trying to limit travel into the U.S. to five airports. So I believe it's San Francisco, uh, JFK, um, uh, Atlanta. Um, let's see. I've got a list of it here in a minute. Uh, Los Angeles. Um, and O'Hare in Chicago. So trying to limit travel into the U.S. from that province to those airports, and that's just to funnel people into areas where they can appropriately screen for individuals who already have symptoms and try to localize that. We don't know a whole lot about how this virus is going to play out. Um, All precautions have been taken, though, as far as travel. If you're in Mississippi, though, and you're worried about coronavirus right now, we don't have any evidence to suggest that this type of coronavirus is going to be a problem. Again, year to year, we can have up to 15 to 25 percent of individuals who have the common cold who um, who it may be tributal to a type of coronavirus. But this particular type, we're still learning about it. Um, so if you haven't been in contact with somebody who's been to Wuhan in China or yourself haven't traveled, you probably don't need to worry about it just yet. We're going to know a whole lot more in the coming weeks because they're going to do a genetic analysis of this and sort of see what kind of risk there is. So that's the latest right now with coronavirus. And uh, I'll give you updates from week to week as things come out. But uh, right now, that's sort of where we're sitting. Um, if you do have any kind of medical conditions and you're traveling to uh, China, uh, check out the Center for Disease Control CDC website um, because they'll have they are a great source for travel advisories. And that right now they've stepped it up from a level one, which is just general precautions, wash your hands, stay away from sick people, those kinds of things. Two, if you have any kind of medical conditions and you have traveled to central China, you may want to second guess that at this point. So just something to think about. And uh, again, I'll, I'll uh, try to stay on top of this and give you everybody some updates as we get more information. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Let's go to Stephen in Pash Christian. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I had a nephrectomy in 2015, and I I have a, a hernia there where the scars all come to where the incisions were. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not hurting me, but it's it protrudes uh, quite a little bit. And I've been I've been considering going in and getting that taken care of. Now, my my question, of course, is the mesh. I've had people tell me, you know, that that mesh story is is passe. That they're they've gone by that. Everything's okay. And I've heard other people say, eh, I'm not so sure. So I would like to have your humble opinion or your professional opinion. Sure. So uh, I'm not a surgeon, but I have. I'm gonna know a little bit about the mesh issue. Uh, now that your type of hernia, just for I know you know where it is and you know about it, but other people may not. So in a nephrectomy, when they take out your kidney, so that's what that is for whatever reason. Um, and sometimes any kind of surgery, whether it's in the abdomen or other place, you can have a uh, that tissue can weaken where they went in to for the surgery, and you can have a hernia. A hernia just means whatever was covering that wall, of the, or the, if you think of it like a balloon, it's a part of the balloon that's sort of a weaker part that's, once it's under pressure, it sort of pouches out, it sort of pokes out, uh, and uh, needs, you know, it, depending on where it is, at nephrectomy, I, I would guess that it's not an emergent thing, it's probably an elective thing, and you touched on some of the issues that people have, it can be uncomfortable, they can have, you know, just a feeling of a little bit of um, discomfort if they're doing certain activities where you're increasing increasing pressure in your abdomen. Uh, different ways to close those, and they have to do with where they are. 
so with a nephrectomy uh, route, I'm not sure exactly what what route they took to, to take your kidney out. And again, I'm not technically I'm not a surgeon, so I don't know all the details about that. A couple of different ways they could close that. It's possible that the best closure would be with something like a mesh material. There's different types. There have certainly been some in the news that have been recalled because of uh, chronic pain or problems from those over time or breakdown of the product. Um, this, the bottom line is I would consult a surgeon about that. And uh, a general or, a, or abdominal surgeon would be the person that I would go to and just to see what your options are. They may look at it and say, you know, I think we can close this successfully without any kind of mesh. And if they say, you know, that they'll have to use some mesh, then you can have that discussion with them to say, okay, tell me about the risk with all of the recent things. They're going to have a lot more information than I am about that. Um, but you may can have that closure without having any kind of mesh. All right. Well, that'd be great. Well, thank you for your help. And I, sure. I will. I will go ahead and, uh, and, and get a consult set up with a surgeon there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's um, it can be uh, tricky. Different people. And here's the thing: like even particularly with surgeries, uh, everybody's a little different. Everybody's anatomy is different, and uh, the surgery itself may be different. So every you know, getting somebody to look at you, it's like going you know, if you consulted a plumber for your for your house, everybody's house has a different setup. Uh, you know, it's uh, the houses as they get older have more problems. Um, your sink in your kitchen is not going to be the same as my sink in my kitchen as far as water flow and what that looks like. Crude analogy, but it works. You know, and the older our houses get, the more problems they're going to have. Same thing with the human body. Everybody is about the same. You know when you see a, a kitchen sink, but, you know, it may have some differences there. This is Southern Remedies. Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning. Plenty of time for you to call in with any questions you might have about yourself or somebody near and dear to you. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We're going to take a short break. When we get back, more in the news and your calls. MPB Think Radio Podcast. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, taking your calls about any kind of thing that you might have a question about or a comment about if you hear somebody else. And maybe you can join in on the conversation. Maybe your experiences might help somebody else make those choices that they need to live healthier lives or to deal with things that they're dealing with. The number to call this morning to join in on our conversations is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you're not able to call us this morning and uh, maybe something comes up at a different time, you don't have to email while we're on the air. You can do that after the fact. The email address is, is remedy at mpbonline.org. 
sometimes, you know, people ask me, what kind of questions can we call in with? Just about anything. Maybe it's a drug or medication that you have a question about, whether that's over the counter or a prescription medication. Uh, maybe you didn't quite understand the dosing of it or why somebody prescribed that for you or why they didn't prescribe something for you. Sometimes it's a chronic medical condition that uh, you've been diagnosed with, or sometimes it's just some symptoms you can't quite get a good sense of what's going on. Uh, we're going to try our best today to uh, get you the answers that you need uh, to, again, to live a healthier life. And speaking of that, uh, some interesting uh, findings. I've always been a bit, big advocate of exercise and its positive effects on health. And uh, we had a, a recent article from the Journal of the American College of Cardiology. So these are heart doctors that are looking at different ways that our heart and our arteries are affected by different things. Uh, as a runner, um, you know, who has run several marathons in the past, uh, found this to be interesting as well. So this was looking at first-time marathon training and what are some of the effects of that on the body. Now, as we get older... Uh, particularly if you're not as active, there's several things that happen to your arteries as you age. Uh, arteries are, you can think of these like uh, big uh, tubes of rubber, basically. So it's basically a rubber tube that has to hold in the blood. And as your heart pumps that blood through those tubes, it has to create a pressure to get that blood out to every little part of the body. You've got like hundreds of thousands of miles of capillaries and arterioles and arteries to help get that blood out there where it needs to go. And uh, your body needs to do that in a way that's very efficient that so you don't decrease the amount of blood flow to different tissues. Uh, they need to get a constant supply of oxygen uh, and nutrients to function correctly. So normally those arteries, when we're younger, are very springy. So again, it's like that tube, that rubber tube that sort of holds that blood in as your heart pumps. Uh, the pressure increases with each pumping, and that's the systolic blood pressure. So that's that top number on getting your blood pressure when you get your blood pressure checked. And then they also have a pressure from just holding that blood in the tube. So when the heart relaxes in between beats, that's the, the diastolic blood pressure or the lower number on your blood pressure reading. And both of those numbers are important. We know that starting at a blood pressure of about 115 over 75 uh, increases in those blood pressures over time uh, do damage to our bodies. We also know that as we age, those arteries, particularly the larger arteries, get stiffer and they can have a, a lining of calcium and other kinds of things, sort of plaque is what we call it. Uh, and as a, you line those vessels, they lose their ability to be springy. Uh, so stiffness in, in arteries, particularly the larger arteries, are a, a major cause of problems as we get older. So you want them to be as springy as possible. Another way to look at that is, is called compliance. Uh, but this study uh, looked at uh, healthy first-time marathon runners. Uh, and so they looked at the London Marathon from 2016 and 2017, and they didn't have any kind of medical problems, but they were running for the first time. So their baseline before they started training was less than two hours a week uh, of running. They were around 21 to 69 years of age. Uh, average age was about 37, uh, and f about 50% were men. So what they found is um, the average running time uh, that they ran, which was about five and, a, uh, five and a half hours for women, four and a half hours for men. So that's consistent with a training schedule of six to 13 miles per week. So they found even this short period of time in training for a marathon, which was over several weeks, uh, they looked at the arteries. There's ways you can look at these arteries in the arm and uh, your aorta through different methods, particularly ultrasound, to look at the springiness of that. And they saw pretty significant changes uh, when people went from less than two hours of, of running per week uh, to running more. Uh, so just more evidence that you can uh, stay healthy. Uh, and, and really, I mean, the cool thing about this study is, is how fast it works. And most people, you know, they think about exercise. Well, I can do some exercise and then maybe I can lay off for about four to six weeks and then uh, get back out there and I'll still have those effects. Usually the effects of exercise start to wane after about 
two weeks. So if you've been out and you think about this, if you've done anything, if you've been active, you know that if for some reason you have, you know, a tragedy in your family or something else that comes up where you're not able to exercise like you normally would, usually after those two weeks, it's a little bit harder. Within that two-week period, you can jump back into it. So it is important to sustain these effects uh, over time. Plenty of studies looking at that. There's another study that I looked at about healthy lifestyle, and that's eating right and exercise certainly can add a decade more of disease-free life to your life. You know, we think about living longer, but it's even more important to live healthier longer. So in those those decades at the end of your life, you want to do it in such a way that you're healthier. So certainly uh, lead, leading a healthy lifestyle can do that. And that was in the British Medical Journal. This is Southern Remedy. You've got Dr. Jimmy here with you live this morning and uh, plenty of time for you to call in with any kind of questions you might have about diabetes, about high blood pressure, about cholesterol management, anything that you are dealing with today or maybe a family member is dealing with it that you want some answers about, you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Forgot those last four numbers there. Kevin gives me a nod when I'm, I'm like, "Yes, you got it." I, I, most of the time, I can, you would think after the how many years I can remember those numbers, but it's amazing what happens when you're live. Um, other things that are in the news, I don't know if you have participated in this, but a lot of good stuff about genetics, right? So genetics is certainly just thinking back since I trained in medical school. Uh, man, it has exploded in the benefits that we have from understanding our genetics and how we can develop different targeted medications based on that genetics, testing for the right kinds of medications for the right people and matching those kinds of things up. And about 10 or 15 years ago, there was a big push to do large-scale genetic analysis uh, on people. So there was a, a big push to say, hey, look, we can test. If you give us a little swab of skin or saliva from the inside of your mouth, we can send that off and we can map out different things. And maybe we can predict what kind of diseases you're going to be at risk for, um, for different things. And uh, man, it's just a huge explosion for this. And for, you know, a couple of hundred bucks, most of the tests, you can get a lot of um, you can get a lot of data back on that. And a lot of the initial tests 10 years ago had to do with with um, with twin studies. So twin studies for about 100 years now have been looked at to look at different risk involved with genetics. So since twins have the same DNA, exactly the same DNA, um, a lot of times, particularly those twin studies where they had a different environment, maybe one twin was separated from the other at birth and they lived different lifestyles and they looked at, you know, what's, what's the component? Is it, is it, uh, is it genetics or is it our environment that's really shaping us? And a lot of the twin studies did seem to point toward genetics having a larger role as far as their risk. But now we have a lot of other studies looking at something called SNPs. SNPs is the is one of the more uh, popular ways, the most common ways of analyzing those saliva samples that people send in uh, to look at their overall risk uh, for different things. And uh, when we look at it now, and this is based on a lot of a uh, lot of information, uh, hundreds of thousands of people look, sending that data in. They look at over 600 previous studies that have been published about this with over 200 medical conditions. Unfortunately, genetics, looking at that method, just sending your DNA in and getting a report back saying that you're susceptible to maybe autism or, um, or Alzheimer's or uh, different autoimmune diseases. Unfortunately, there's only about 5 to 10% for the several common ailments, including cancers, diabetes, and, and Alzheimer's, has been attributed to uh, genetics. So not a whole lot of risk there. Even if it says, hey, you've got this gene and it's more probable that you're going to have a risk for Alzheimer's, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it. And unfortunately, with you know, this is one of the things, again, that... Uh, you know, in training, if, you, if you're considering this, you really need to understand genetics uh, because you can get that report back and all of a sudden you can be worried sick that you're going to develop Alzheimer's when the risk actually may be quite low. 
what is important is to look at your family history because that takes into account similar lifestyles and genetics in the same way. So, for instance, if you were worried about Alzheimer's and your father, your two uncles, and your grandmother all had Alzheimer's, then yes, you are definitely at increased risk no matter what the genetic tests say. So that's something to look at, to look for those signs early enough, look for treatment, live a healthy lifestyle, all the things to help prevent that. But there's not a whole lot of data to say that you can do this for the general population outside of that. Now, there are certain uh, conditions that they did see uh, an increase, actually a specificity for for certain things. Uh, Crohn's disease was one of them. Um, there's a lot of uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, celiac disease, macular degeneration. Those are some of the things that actually the genetics does bear out that if you have um, a certain genetic markers on that DNA sample, that you might be at increased risk, and there might be, be some things that you can do uh, to prevent that. But if you're looking at, you know, hey, I got this report, and it says that I'm a fast metabolizer for this, uh, and that's going to impact how, you know, how uh, um, susceptible I am to, to getting diabetes. And you have nobody in your family that has type 2 diabetes. Probably the biggest thing for you to do is not worry about what that genetic set test says, but to help uh, to start to live a healthy lifestyle if you're not of eating right and exercise. That's much more powerful than that genetics. We just, um, our bodies take what we've got. And uh, what you do with that can really modulate that in a lot of ways to predict that over time. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you here this morning. And I've uh, got plenty of open lines if you want to call in this morning. I know somebody's got a question on the tip of their tongue that they just want to just call in about and ask us. We can take a stab at that. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Uh, this time of year, you know, a lot of lot of different uh, people are looking at their health. Certainly, we've passed the uh, you know still still in the realm of things that you want to um, have New Year's resolutions for and uh, looking for things to do differently in the year. And it, what strikes me, the older I get and the more uh, you know, twenty years into a career in medicine now, um, it's it strikes me that the simple things have the biggest power. You know, there's certainly Lots of different fad things that come and go, but if you stick to the basics of eating a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables, usually fresh, non-processed, uh, not a whole lot of red meat, as I tell my patients, eat something that swims or flies if you're looking at meat, uh, and uh, certainly uh, making sure that you don't fry it, that you bake it or uh, boil it or grill it, that's certainly better for you. Mediterranean diet certainly is good for preventing a lot of things. And then exercise, as we talked about earlier, is such a such a big aspect of our lives. People have gotten, thankfully, I think a lot of the things we do and the things that we wear now uh, in the uh, realm of what we call wearables, wearable medical devices. And that can be things like the Apple Watch or something that keeps up with your steps. Uh, my watch does that uh, for me. It's a nice reminder of, hey, you haven't been as active as you normally are today. And those things can help, um, can help uh, you know, bolster you to uh, continue to be active uh, in your life and, uh, and certainly a positive motivator for uh, continuing to do those things that you want to do. This is Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you want to email us, you can always send that to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to Becky, who's uh, patiently waiting, and your call. So give us a call today.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning. Number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Let's go to Becky. Good morning, Becky. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? Good. Great. No, I was just calling to find out if y'all had had a lot of flood in the Jackson area or, you know, what what y'all had heard about, you know, statewide, um, you know, if it. If it was full blown, or you know, sometimes January is kind of bad for all that. Um, January and February, so I just wondered. If yeah, it's part of it. We're reaching the peak right now. Um, now, I would say both in uh, our clinic and in the data, and looking at it when I looked at it earlier this week, uh, we are in sort of the high risk uh, states. So if you look at this, it looks like there's a band that sort of goes across the southeast and up to the. Uh, uh, towards the northeast, Mississippi's not quite as high as Louisiana and um, and Alabama and Tennessee, but we're right there at it. Um, most of the flu that we saw earlier on was flu type B. Uh, typically, type B has more; it has upper respiratory symptoms, but it also has uh, GI symptoms like diarrhea, vomiting can be associated with that. Now we're starting to see a lot more flu A. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, anybody with, it has fevers, chills, rigors with, uh, uh, you know, with a cough, uh, and runny nose, coryza, that's, uh, just watery eyes and, and nose, um, that's going to be somebody that we would normally test for. But yeah, we're right there at it, Becky. So, uh, best thing, wash your hands, uh, use, you know, any kind of, uh, foam, uh, for different things. That's one of the major ways that we, uh, transmit this. If you haven't got a flu shot, it is not too late uh, to get that flu shot. Certainly, it looks like with people this year, it's uh, pretty on on target for uh, for preventing that. Certainly, anybody who has a weakened immune system, uh, and that can be anything as simple as diabetes or somebody who's going through chemotherapy, uh, I would recommend uh, uh, having sort of a protective area all around those people. So certainly, if you have any kind of symptoms, stay away from them. But Definitely everybody around them should be vaccinated as well. So, yeah, Becky, we're seeing it. Okay. Well, I just, I mean, I've gotten a flu shot, but I just, you know, was hoping, you know, well, I just wonder, you know, how how, how y'all were doing with all that. But, um, well, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, thankfully, I got my flu vaccine pretty early, too. I I think it was in September, uh, early September. And certainly I've had, you know, probably... Uh, 20 plus exposures in clinics since then and uh, have not gotten the flu. So there you have it. Do wash my hands a lot in and out of rooms. So um, certainly you want to do that and uh, take all precautions. All right, let's see. We're going to go to, um, I believe this is Grayland. Is that right? Grayland? Yeah. Hey, thanks for calling. All right. I just wanted to know what your take was on home health. Sure. Is that for any particular uh, reason or condition or medical problem, Graylin? Well, I broke my hip, and then I had a stroke. So that's two big problems. Yep. So, so home health is an extension of the medical team into the home. Uh, that's the one way. That's the way I, I view it. 
And it has medical professionals that are coming out. Most of the time, they'll have a home health nurse at the minimum that comes out. The reason I was asking about what particular conditions is because home health agencies can also send out other people like physical therapists, in your case, or occupational therapists with a stroke. Uh, They can do home assessments to see if everything, you know, we don't think about this. You know, sometimes you can get sick, you can have a problem like a stroke, you go home, and your home may not be optimally set up for, uh, you know, for you to get around safely in it the way it was before you had that problem. Uh, they can help with that. They can help make sure that your weight, I know heart failure is another one where they can look at your weight day to day and call in. And it, it's an extension really of what your doctor and your healthcare team can do. Uh, if you qualify for it, I would say take advantage of it, even if it's just a short period of time. And uh, and again, there's a lot of other things they can do rather than just coming out. Um, and they can help with equipment that you might need at home too. So, I, Graylin, I, I'm a big advocate of it. Um, I think, and it can, you know, we've looked at studies of home health care and what it does for, say, readmission to the hospital or complications with a disease always helps, always helps you get better and stay healthier with whatever condition that you have. Okay, well, I sure thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go to, I think it's Joel. Uh, let me get Joel on the line there. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. How Thanks for calling. Good oh, good. Uh got a question uh i'm 76 years old i'm in relatively good health i guess uh uh the doctor put me on a diuretic several years ago uh i don't have high blood pressure uh my blood pressure runs uh and i take it fairly regularly usually uh high side will be in the 120s low side is in the low 70s uh it will go up uh you know every now and then to 130 but that's probably due to lifestyle uh, after a hard weekend or something like that at the hunting camp. Sure. Uh, anyway, uh, I exercise regularly, but the thing that bothers me is I urinate probably 20 times a day now or better. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a whole lot. I've taken 12.5 milligrams of hydrochlorothiazide. Uh, within the last year, I developed a, a polymyalgic rheumatica, which I'm being treated for now, uh-huh. and they, they do blood tests for that. Well, my sodium's low and my iron is no low. I'm just wondering, am I, am I urinating this out of my system? Do I need a, you know, uh, do I need that? Yeah, if you, I, I might look for other things to, so if you're not getting it for blood pressure, I'm not sure why you're getting it. Um, it now, it may be keeping your blood pressure where it is, but there are other alternatives probably that you could try that wouldn't have that side effect. Having said that, that is a lot of urination for just 12 and a half of HCTZ of hydrochlorothiazide. Usually right. Right. That, that's just not the normal thing that I see in my patients. So if I were seeing you, I would look for other causes of urinating that much. Uh, Such as... Well, your your blood sugar could be high. That's one thing that you At could. That check, it's it's fine. It's normal. Uh, any kind of prostate enlargement, or you know, as you get older. Just had so- a colorectal uh, about a year ago. I've never had a problem with enlarged prostate. Okay. I've never had a polyp or anything on. And uh, as I just turned seventy five, I had my last one. Uh, you know that they'll do. They only do them now every ten years. Right. You get old, figure you're gonna right. die of something else anyway. Before that gets you, but anyway, uh, I've never had a problem with any of that. You know. Well, I would, I, I would probably try something different other than the HCTZ. Then I think that's that's probably your culprit. Then, even though it's it's a lot more than usual. If you and recommendation. That, well, it, it just depends. I mean, there's other medications. If you're treating blood pressure, things like calcium channel blockers or ACE inhibitors, uh, things like lisinopril, amlodipine. Those are certainly things. You know, I don't have to be looking at the whole person just to sort of see what fit them, but I think there's there are plenty of other alternatives to to try that might help. Well, you know, I don't. I, my blood pressure has never been high. I never had a problem with high blood pressure. It's just like, okay, you're you're. I think it was sixty seven or sixty eight. He said you need to take this. You know, just and and I think it was a precautionary thing. Uh, I, I exercise five to six days a week. And that's uh, 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 weights and a uh, combination of two and a half, three miles, 
you know, uh, running, jogging. Now I don't run. Right. I've I've run over a hundred ultra marathons. I, I just, you know, I've never had a problem with blood pressure, and it's just kind of like, okay, you need to take this. I don't know if I. I don't know if I need to take this. Yeah, it would. So, so Joe, it may be you just need to have a conversation and say, can I see what I'm doing, see what my blood pressure is going to do off of this? And then, um, you know, if it stays in the, in that range that you said, you probably could just do without it. What, what would be, is it a person my age, would you still be looking for 120 to 70 low upper lower? Like they recommend now, it used to be one thirty eighty, but now it's one twenty seventy. I think. Yeah, I, anywhere you know, definitely less than one thirty over eighty. I think in your case, but I think if you're even if you're you know in between one twenty to one thirty, uh, that's probably okay for you. Ninety percent of the time, that's what. It, yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, and and, and blood pressure goes up and down. You you said it. I mean, if you're you know if you didn't quite get that deer that you wanted to get, your blood pressure is going to be up at that moment but um <laughs> but yeah, yeah joe uh, talk to your talk to your physician to say hey i'd like to come off of this and just see what my blood pressure does if it does go up and your urine symptoms stop just ask to be on a different medication there's more than one that they could choose from okay all right well thank you very much doctor all right thanks for calling all right this is southern remedy uh we're going to take a short break when we come back we got uh, several callers that have been patiently waiting you can call in though at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four we'll be right back after this an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning, taking your calls, whether you're on the road or maybe you're behind a desk or at home. Would love to hear from you this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you miss us, miss calling in, uh, just uh, send us an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to May from Eupora, Mississippi. Good morning, May. Good morning, Doctor. Thanks for calling. Uh, my daughter, a couple of years ago, started eating. Um, only vegetables and fruits and fish. Now she's decided that she's not going to eat the fish, just vegetables and fruit. And I wonder what your feelings about that are. How old is your daughter? Uh, she's in her 30s, old enough to make up her own mind, but I'm just curious. <laughs> so, yeah, May, that's a, that's fine. Um, there are certain things that you have to, to uh, understand about that type of, of a, a vegetarian diet or even a vegan diet. Um, you do need one that has all of the essential amino acids that you need. Certainly you can do that. You don't have to eat meat. 
Uh, there's a lot of advantages to a vegetarian diet. Now, I know in some, you know, certainly in the South, we're like, no, you got to have some meat. You're going to get anemic and all these other things. There, uh-huh. are, there are foods that have lots of iron in them, uh, certainly lots of proteins that you need. There's plant proteins that our bodies can utilize to do everything uh, to, to function normally. So uh, that's, that's okay, uh, and you don't need to do any kind of supplements or anything else, you know, like vitamins if you're doing that, unless there's a medical condition or medical reason. Most of the time, if you're eating a very broad-based, healthy fruits and vegetables diet, that's okay. Um, uh-huh. so, uh, you just need to, you know, optimally a nutritionist would be somebody you could talk to, to make sure that you're getting everything you need, but there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, about, uh, about what, what does a balanced diet for, you know, for somebody that's, that's, uh, interested in this. So I, I think it's probably fine. Now, one thing I would caution against if it just says, Hey, only eat, you know, broccoli all week long or, you uh-huh. know, that's when you get into different kind of uh, in, in different kind of problems just because you're not right. uh, getting all the nutrients that you need. Uh-huh. Well, I think she has researched it and decided that it's a healthy way to go. Yeah. Yeah, and, certainly. Uh, certainly. That's uh, that's one that's been been looked at. And uh, again, if you, you know, just eat one that's uh, varied. I have some good friends that uh, that do that. And uh, it, it certainly has its benefits. Uh-huh. Okay, well, thank you very much, Doctor. All right, thank you, May. All right, let's see. Let's go to, I think it's J.C.K. Is that right? J.C.K. on the road to New Orleans. Yeah, this is Jack. Jack, okay, I'm sorry. I left out an A there, Jack. Sorry about that. Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm no longer married, but when I was married to my last wife about a year and a half, after I got married to her, I came down with some symptoms. Went to the doctor, and he said it was HSV-2. So uh-huh. we know that's herpes. Right. And there's no cure for it. Right. Um, well, it has really thrown a wet blanket on my romance. Uh, so uh, I've dated one time since. But when the subject came up, um, she was no longer interested uh, wonder is there any recent breakthroughs that would uh, give some encouragement to people uh, who might have contracted herpes and wish to continue uh, a possible romantic uh, encounter? Sure. Yeah, and it's it's more Jack. It's more common than you think. I mean, people honestly, you know, I thank you for for asking this question because I guarantee you this is going to be a question that a lot of people who are listening are going to be in the same boat. It just doesn't get, you know, for obvious reasons, not a whole lot of people talk about it like that. So, uh, you know, nothing that as far as a cure, you're exactly right. So HSV is uh, a virus that uh, you contract sexually and uh, through sexual activity and contact, direct contact. Once you get it, it's pretty much there. It's really tough. You, you really can't see, uh, you know, can't get rid of it totally. Now, you can keep it at bay most of the time. So there is suppressive therapy with antivirals. And some people just take it when they have flares, but other people take it all the time to sort of suppress that. Uh, it does decrease your risk of transmitting that to somebody else. But it doesn't decrease it to the point where there's absolute certainty that you're not going to transmit that to them. So, um, you know, it is it does necessitate those difficult conversations early in a relationship that, you know, that you do have it. And I would I would, you know, advocate that people do that, be upfront about it. Um, You may want to talk to your doctor or if you have access to an infectious disease specialist, an ID specialist. Because they are the ones that can give you the information on, you know, what would it, what would it take to really reduce your risk uh, very low. Uh, sometimes even, you know, inviting this person to come to, uh, to your physician's office with you uh, to discuss this, you know, and just say what your risk truly <laughs> is. I, I know that's, yeah. a, that's a lot up front in a relationship to, uh, to, to deal with. But, yeah, I wish there was something. This was, was one of those areas that we would love to have something that could totally 
do away with it. Uh, it's sort of like chicken pox. You know, the chicken pox virus, if you contracted that, uh, once you have it, it's there, and the possibility of having shingles is there. However, with chicken pox, we now have a vaccine that can keep it at bay or at least reduce your risk of getting shingles later on. We don't have that for HSV. It's a little bit different virus, a little bit different to immunize against. So it's, you know, we don't have that. Hopefully we might have that on the horizon. That'd be great if we could add that to something where we could say, hey, there's there's a decreased risk for it. Okay. So there's no breakthroughs, no recent breakthroughs or anything like that. We just have to... Yeah, not, about it and deal with it on a upfront basis. Yeah, that's I, I don't know of anything that's uh, in the news lately within the last year or two that's uh, that's been in that uh, you know been a breakthrough there. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Jack, for calling. All right. Let's go to Edwin in Bay St. Louis. Good morning, Edwin. Hey. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted your opinion on something. I posed this question before in the past, and the question is, um, well, what happened? I have a torn meniscus and a little arthritis, and I went to three different doctors, and one doctor said I need to have the uh, arthroscopic surgery to remove the meniscus, and another doctor said um, he don't recommend that, that I would just live with the torn meniscus because if you take the meniscus out, I'm going to still have pain from the arthritis. Yeah, so the meniscus is sort of the cushion between the two bones in your leg at the knee, and uh, it's there for a reason. And anytime you get a tear in it, it, you can have arthritis at that site, and that's what you're having pain with probably. The other other way you can have pain if you have it, it depends on the type of tear. So sometimes that little piece that's torn can flip up, and it can cause it to lock up and cause pain. you're probably just this this is what's happening. You've got two different people that have two different opinions based on their experience and their training. Um, I would choose an orthopedic surgeon who definitely has the experience and specializa- specialization in the knee. And then, if you can, talk to some people who've had surgery and say, hey, what's the outcome? You can also go online and look up the health grades for different doctors, and it'll tell you the outcomes there, too. Uh now, outside of that, it uh, it all depends on how big that tear is. Now, he's right. Taking it out completely, whoever, which one, everyone you talk to about that, that uh-huh. is uh, going to cause a lot more damage uh, acutely. But I, I think you probably just need to to stick with somebody who is an expert in that area. Um, if it's not causing you too many problems, you might can just you know sort of bear it for right now. Though that's not. That's not going to, you know, probably mess anything up right now. But usually the earlier you fix it, the better your long-term outcomes are going to be. All right, Edwin. All right. That's all the time we have. Thank you for calling. Sorry to cut you off there at the end. Southern Remedies, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Thank you, everybody, for calling in today. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.